It's fun to start off the day like that, isn't it? Uh, I tell you, if I, we could just get the band to show up at your house every morning. You know, alarm goes off, they just hit a chord, you know, and start cranking. Uh, I, I know for me, uh, waking up in the morning uh, is, is never a really fun thing. Uh, you know, my mom and dad used to throw shoes at our door sometime to try to wake us up. And then uh, sometimes they just make pancakes and eggs and bacon. That's a good way to wake up. But uh, our days, man, uh, how we start them, how we live them, they are so full of so many different things, which is why we're doing this series called Seven. We're trying to look at our whole life and our complete life with the belief that God said, when Jesus came, he said, I came so your life would actually be to the full, that it would be complete, that it would be matured, it would be everything. And I, I think sometimes when we start off a, a church service like that, and you just kind of get a chance to get lost maybe in the presence of God and remember who he is and, you, you know, you just get there and then all of a sudden, I don't know if this happened to you because I knew what I'm talking about today, but, uh, but if you'll sit there and all of a sudden you go, and then um, tomorrow morning I got to get up and I got to go to work. You know, it just, it, it, there's, is there, any of you guys just feel a disconnect sometimes right there? Anybody feel a disconnect from Sunday, from church, from God and worship and to Monday morning? Uh, I actually found this book called The Monday Connection. It's from a guy who just said, I lived in church my whole life, and I didn't know how to take what I was experiencing in here and actually get it into the connection of my life, into my work. And so that's, that's what we want to look at today. I mean, <clears throat> most of us are, are spending probably a third of our life working. <laughs> a third of it. If, half of your waking hours, if you're a normal human being, are spent working. Some of you are more than half, and that's a little crazy. You guys got to chill out a little bit. But we spend so much time working. And so if we're going to figure out what does it mean to live a complete life, to live a full life with God, one of the things we've got to do is we've got to figure out what it means to take what we experience in here, or if you maybe spend time with God in the morning reading the Bible or praying or something like that, how do we actually get that into our work because it's such a huge part of our life. Eugene Peterson uh, says this. He says, work doesn't take us away from God. And and I I think some of us feel like that. I I think some of us feel like when we get to our workplace, um, it's like, man, God and his glory and all that he brings me just, man, I'll I'll see you you tomorrow morning when I get up and have my quiet time. (laughs) And But I love what Peterson says. Work doesn't take us away from God. It continues the work of God through us. Work doesn't take us away from God. It continues the work of God through us. And, and that's what I'm hoping that can happen here today, is that we can figure out how God in me, in my life, will flow and continue on to tomorrow through Friday and all the work that we're doing. And then we'll, we'll figure out, I think we'll even more so understand what it means to live a really complete life. Now, how many of you guys... Um, have a job or had a job, anytime, a job you just absolutely love. I mean, anybody ever have a job you just absolutely love? Okay, that's good. I mean, even the Bible says that. Ecclesiastes is like, that's good. <laughs> if you can actually find a job and enjoy your labor, that's a, that's a gift from God. How many of you have ever had a job you absolutely hated? Okay, those hands up went a lot faster. Anybody notice that? <laughs> okay, because we've all had work as well that we've, we, that we've hated. Uh, anybody work with people that you, man, you just, you just love? I mean, you wake up, and, you know, you get in there. And you, anybody have that? How many of you have ever had a job where you wake up and you go in there and you're like, oh God, I have to work with these people. Okay. I got some power in my pockets. All right. So, um, but, uh, so here's the point, you guys. We've got, 
Uh, so work can be great. Work can be horrible. Coworkers can be great. Coworkers can be horrible. And, uh, and so we've all just, before I jump into that, we just wanted to take a kind of a look at the reality that even our own life and the way we work and, and the, the stuff about actually doing this for the honor of God, sometimes we might slip a little bit in that. And here's some examples. Let's just watch this fun video real quick before we jump in. Hey, Ming Ming. Um, I'm going to be a little bit short on today's quota. It's all right, buddy. Just how many extra sketches did you get finished? Come on, buddy, how many? I made, uh, 85. Puts you 915 off the pace. Why don't you just say it? I'm the worst toy maker in the world. I'm a cotton-headed ninny muggins. <sighs> no, buddy. The numbers we're seeing in Chicago, New York, and London are consistently solid, but many of our field offices have reported disappointing yields. <laughs> Boston is down, Atlanta is down, Houston is down. I could go on and on, but instead of boring you, I'll go straight to my 42-point plan. Walter. Okay, if everyone's on board, it's settled. Chandler. Are you on board? Yes. Then problem solved. Chandler will be running our office in Tulsa. You're going to love Oklahoma. I'm a people person. Very personable. I absolutely insist on enjoying life. Um, So task-oriented. Not a workhorse. If you're looking for a Clydesdale, I'm probably not your, your man. Like, I don't live to work. It's more the other way around. I work to live. Um, incidentally, what's your policy on Columbus Day? Yeah, we, we work. Really? The guy discovered the new world. Afraid to even ask about victory over Japan Day. Hey, we tried, right? The only cure I know for the Monday blues is Varsity Blues. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Take a seat down there. Second to the end. All right, everybody here? Yes. Popcorn, anyone? Yes, please. Thank you. Anyone else? No. Movie Monday started with training videos but we went through those pretty fast. Since then, it's been half-hour installments of various movies, with the exception of an episode of Entourage, which Michael made us watch six times. Entourage! 
Hello? Not everyone approves of Movie Monday. I won't say who. Hello? Let's go after that time now. Let's go, let's go. Let's go. Hi, Graham. Hope you brought the milk, Dad. How would a movie increase productivity, Michael? How on earth would it do that? People work faster after. Magically. No. They have to, to make up for the time they lost watching the movie. You see, what we're actually trying to do here is we're just, we're trying to get a feel for how people spend their day at work. So, if you would, would you walk us through a typical day for you? Yeah. Great. Well, I generally come in at least 15 minutes late. Uh, I use the side door, that way Lumberg can't see me. <laughs> And uh, after that, I just sort of space out for about an hour. Tell uh, space out? Yeah. I just stare at my desk. But it looks like I'm working. I do that for uh, probably another hour after lunch, too. I'd say in a given week, I probably only do about 15 minutes of real, actual work. <laughs> oh, man. All right, just some fun, you guys. But work, you guys, actually, it's a really big deal. Uh, it's kind of funny. If you run into somebody uh, on the street or whatever, the first thing you do is usually say, hey, how you doing, right? And do you really actually care how they're doing? No, you, you don't. You just say that. That's just how, what we do in America. And then the, uh, the second question you ask them is what? What do you do? I mean, we always say, what do you do? Um, and that one we actually want to know. <laughs> what do you do? And see, somehow... Work has come to a place where it starts to define us. And Brad said it even in the worship. I mean, for a lot of guys and anybody, it's like what you do and how well you do it and your status of that is, is a huge part of who we are. And, um, and I think that's one of the things that we need to, to really look at because one of the things we have to understand, though, before we jump in to the value of work is this, is that your worth has nothing to do with your work. Your worth as a human being and as an individual, has nothing to do with your work. And we're going to f- find out here. It's a big deal to God. It really is. And I just, I, before I just wanted to jump in, I just know uh, for some of you in this room, <clears throat> um, with the unemployment rate and the things that have happened, not working is eating at you. And it's really, really a very, very difficult time to not be working. And, um, and I think that's because, as we're going to see here, there's a high value of work in our creation and in who God is and what he's done. And I, and I just wanted to say, though, before we even jump into this, this message, some of you are just, you're, you're kind of going, you, you sat down, you're like, oh, man, this is not the message I want to hear today because I wish I was working. I wish I was laboring. I wish I, I, I had the ability to be able to do the work that I know I could be able to do. And I just want to encourage you today, I think you feel that way because God put that inside you. That's a good thing. It's a hard thing, but it's a good thing because it's of God. And, um, and so before we jump in, I want to pray. And, uh, and I want to pray, uh, if you are in work today, um, spending, again, a large portion of your day pouring yourself out on this, I just, I'd like to, us to really ask God to say, okay, Lord, how can I 
live a really complete life in my work world. And then, for those of you right now who, who, who are looking for work and who have not been able to find that and are struggling to do that, I, I want to pray for you too. And I just want to ask God to make sure that he creeps in, even all as we're talking about this today, and keeps whispering to your ear, I love you. I love you. I, I love you. This has nothing to do with your value. In fact, sometimes God uses these times to do some intense, deep love in us. And so let's just pray. Let's ask God to meet us here today, wherever we're at in our work situation, and ask him to touch us today. Father, um, thank you for knowing every one of us who are here today. And thank you for um, the fact that we matter to you. Period. You've created us, and you loved us. You sent Jesus to show us how much you loved us, and it had absolutely nothing to do with what we were doing at all. Our value to you is so deep and so true. And Lord, but we live, you know where we live, in this American culture that gives so much value based on what you do. So Lord, I I just want to pray. I, I pray for our whole church, everybody up at North Campus, and everybody who's here, and just our whole campus, and anybody who still at this point right now is struggling to work, to find the work that they know they can do. And I, I would just ask that you would meet them deeply with great peace in their heart, that would, you would let them know that you are with them, that you care for them. And God, we also together, we just want to uh, ask that you would provide. I know some people have been looking for a long time. And I ask that you would provide them with the work that they need and the work that they can do. And then, God, um, for those of us who are laboring right now, I I just pray that you would help us to understand today. I pray that we would get a deeper understanding of who you are and why work is so much a part of our world. And I know that you're the one who can enlighten our minds and give us understanding. And I pray that we would walk out of here today with a deep excitement for tomorrow morning and a deep belief that what we're doing tomorrow is absolutely connected to what you're doing in us today. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So literally what I want to share with you guys today is a theology of work. Now, how many of you, ever, how many of you uh, think about theology very often? Anybody think about theology? Okay, Brad, good job. You're on staff. That's excellent. <laughs> Brownie point for you. Uh, but seriously, uh, actually, the, the reality is you all think about theology all the time because it's really what you think about God. But what's interesting is I don't think we actually think about God connected to our work very often. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. There actually is a theology, an understanding of God that's related to our work. And the first thing I want to share with you is this, that work is in the very nature of God. Work is in the very nature of God. If you're going to understand God truly, then one of the things you'll understand is he is a God who works. Okay? Let's go right to the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 2 starting with verse 1. And it says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. And so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Right at the very beginning, one of the first things we understand about God, and three times right here in just these three verses, he worked, he worked, he worked. That's what God does. 
In fact, in John chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus told us a great statement that I've, I've clung to a lot, and that is, he just said, my father is always at his work, even to this day. And I, too, am working. My father is always at his work. God is always working. He's always doing something. It's in the very nature of God to work. And I love this because he goes, and then he finishes his work. And, and what did God do when he worked? Well, obviously, it says he created stuff when he worked. He produced things, and he provided in his creation and in his work, he actually provided everything that we need. And so he was actually thinking, I think, in his creation about us. He created this great glory. I mean, that's one of the things that's amazing. If you actually study some of the scientific evidence for why creation might exist, it's because everything is absolutely perfect to the T for us to be able to live and for us to be able to survive. So one of the things you can think about, when God worked, he wasn't doing it just for the heck of it. He was actually very specifically thinking and creating and producing and providing something for us. And that's what's in the heart of God. I, I kind of picture, I love this, you know, God finished his work. And, I can, and what did he say? After he finished every phase, what did he say? It's, that's good, man. That's good. And so God gets done, and I can imagine when he's all done and he got to be the seventh day, he kind of sat back and he went, there you go. There you go. You guys, it's all yours. Enjoy it. It's good. It works. I mean, I, I mean, the creation is unbelievable in what it produces for us, how helpful it is in the provision for us. And, the, and I was just thinking, the fruit of the earth is amazing. Because if you think about it, everything that we create comes from what was created. <laughs> everything. I, I was sitting in my living room, and I just started thinking about this thought. And I just looked around me, and I just thought, there's nothing that I can see right now. Nothing that I can see right now. They didn't come from the, from the earth. The clothes you're wearing, the chairs we're sitting on, these lights up here, every little material came from God's creation. See, I, I, I'm going to go, some of this stuff might be a little ethereal for you, and then we'll get really practical here in a minute. But that, I want you to really understand this about God. When he created the world, everything in it, he knew, you guys are going to use this someday. And it's going to be helpful for you, and it's going to be productive for you. God is thinking about us, and he wants our life to be full and complete. That's God. It's in the very nature of God to work. And when he works, he produces stuff. He creates things, and he provides. That's what he does. Now, let's move on. Genesis chapter 2, the next couple verses, verses 4 and 5, say this. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the heaven and the earth and the heavens... No shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth. No plant of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. There was no man to work the ground. So God says, man, I'm going to create all this. Now I need some help. Now I need some men, and I need some women. So then we go on. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, and it says, Now the Lord God, he planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man that he had formed. In verse 15, the Lord God took the man, he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. And here's the deal, you guys. Now it's our turn. Now it's our turn. What did God say? He goes, let us create man in our image. 
And one of the things we find right off the bat is God works, he works, he works, he creates something, and then he says, all right, now I don't have anybody to work this ground. I'm going to create man and woman, and what's going to happen? Now you're going to do it. I'm putting you here to work. We're created in the very image of God, and God in his nature produces and provides and creates. And so there's something inside of us now that says, I got to do that too. I got to produce. I got to do something that provides something. And again, for the greater good, I think that's one of the things that's really important. Can you guys imagine what would happen if there was a society where nobody worked? What happened if everybody in Salt Lake for the next year did nothing? What would happen to Salt Lake? What would happen to Salt Lake? It'd fall apart. It would cease to exist. Think about that for a minute. If mankind does not work, what happens? We die. If you sit around and do nothing, we don't exist anymore. See, do you see how important work is? Do you see how much it's actually in the fabric of our being? So there's something, you guys, this is why this is so critical for us to talk about. Not just because you spend eight hours of your day doing it and half of your waking hours. No, because for some reason, God has said, when I create you, I am going to put in you the essence of the need to labor. And here's, what it, and here's the key. Let me, I'll say this and then I'll read the definition. Here's the key. Is all of our labor and all of our work is actually always for the greater good of the society. Listen to this definition I found from Dorothy Sayers. She's a uh, writer from England back in the, near the time of the Second World War. She says, Work is the gracious expression of creative energy in the service to others. Let me, I, I know it's kind of crazy, but let, let's just pull this apart. Because I, I guess most of the time when you guys think about what work is, it probably wasn't that. <laughs> work is the gracious expression so you're expressing, you're doing something, you're expressing it of creative energy in the service of others. You guys, this is, this is why I think about this. I go, it's actually always for the service of others. I, I was driving down the road and I started thinking, is there any job, any job where you're not actually producing something? <laughs> think about your job. Think about what you do. I bet you any money, the reason you do it is because somehow you're producing something that somebody else is going to benefit from. I, I just start, I, think about it for a minute. Do you guys realize I'm absolutely amazed at how many people's labor I take advantage of every day? Think about how many people labored for you to do what you did just from the moment you got up till now. Okay? Somebody created my alarm clock. Somebody labored, designed it. There was a creative expression. Somebody graciously expressed that, and they made an alarm clock that got me out of my bed this morning. Somebody, thank God, picked coffee beans somewhere over, somewhere in the world. Then they picked those beans, right? And that's why, what do we care about right now with, with coffee beans? Oh, come on. What is it? Well, we care about caffeine. That's true. No. Man, I, I thought we'd be on t- Anyway, fair trade, right? Don't we care about fair trade? I mean, when you see that, you go, I want to buy some coffee that's fair trade. In other words, I want to buy some coffee where I know that the guy who picked my beans is actually getting paid well for what he's doing and not abused, right? Because some guy labored so that I could actually wake up this morning. 
And so I could enjoy my coffee. And then somebody else delivered it over here, right? And somebody made my French press, you know, and my teapot. And I, I, it's just crazy. Somebody made my computer, which freaks me out, that I sat there and just, you know, meditated over this message this morning. Somebody made this so I'd have something to wear, which is a good thing. Somebody made my home. Somebody made my car. Somebody made the road so I could get down here, right? So, I wouldn't, so it would take me like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes to get here instead of how much longer, and see, and, and not only that, somebody actually dug up all the rock and did all that kind and smashed it all up to make the asphalt. Somebody put it, I mean, it goes on and on. Somebody maintained the road. Somebody policed the road so nobody would kill me on the road. <laughs> I, you guys, just in the moment from you woke up this morning to right now, you have been surrounded by the labor of other people. And they produce something for you and you're benefiting from it. Our society is better because people are laboring. Because people are working. Because people are creative in their expression. They're thinking of better ways. I mean, I'm amazed at the medical community over and over again. Because whoever's in the medical community, the people who are doing the research and the development, and they're thinking, they're creating. Everything we do as humanity does gets a little bit better and a little bit easier. Isn't that nice? Aren't you glad you didn't live like 200 years ago? You know, I, I, I just say, can you imagine no air conditioning? I mean, you know, I, uh, those poor souls that actually, I mean, anyway. Okay, you get the picture. This is what God is doing, you guys. It's the gracious expression of creative energy that's for the service of others. And this is one of the things I want you to understand. It's in the very nature of God to work. But when God worked, who did he work for? He created this for us. And he made it good for us. And he worked for us. And there's something inside of us, and, and, and I just want to encourage you that maybe tomorrow morning when you wake up and you go to work, you could stop and think, you know what? Actually, what I'm doing right now is for somebody else. See, that's of God. See, what our challenge is, in the modern view of work, what we're really doing is we're saying, man, I'm trying to find a job so I can make some money, (laughs) so I can live a certain way, or I'm trying to find a job so I can get a certain status so I can feel good about myself. Do you guys see the difference? I'm telling you, we've got to be really careful because in our human nature and in our culture, Really, the job thing, that's just a side, you know, it's not really about the job. It's about me just getting some money so I can go play or have really nice stuff, or it's about me getting a position. But if we could stop, and this is what I, God, please help us to understand. Seriously, I want you to try to understand this today. If you could wake up tomorrow morning and go to work with a totally different mindset, you know what, no. I'm a child of God. And the reason I'm doing this today is for the service of another human being. The reason I'm doing this today is that I'm part of a greater thing than myself. And I'm contributing to the culture and to the society, and I'm making this a better place. You are providing a service. You are producing something. I was trying to think of that. I, I, I don't know if any of you work this job, but I've often thought that the guy who, who sits in the, in the um, parking garage for eight hours, I'm like, man, now when I was a student, that would have been Awesome right? To be able to get your job done. And I just thought, does he produce anything? Yeah, he does. He produces the place for me to park. This close to where I need to be. And he stands there and he makes sure, I mean, and, and, and you guys, it just goes on and on. There's nothing that you're doing tomorrow that you need to know this. And this is what's important, is that no matter what you do, I'm going to get to this more, but no matter what you do, no matter what your job is, you're creating something and you're producing something and God delights in that. It's in his nature. 
And he's called us to do the exact same thing. Where work doesn't take us away from God, our work does not take us away from God. It continues the work of God through us. And here's how you can know this, you guys. And here's why it's important. You need to know this. You need to know that what you do matters. How many of you want to do something that matters? How many of you want to do that? Okay? Now, I won't, don't raise your hand on this one. But I bet sometimes some of you have thought, man, I'm doing something that don't, this don't matter. This doesn't matter. I, I challenge you. I think that's not true. I bet if you could go deep enough into what you do, somebody's benefiting from what you're doing. Now, now let's just total side note. I was in Vegas last week, okay? Now, there are some things that we produce that aren't good (laughs) for mankind. Isn't that right? Okay, so you might be benefiting somebody, but maybe not under God's umbrella of good. And and so so you need to be careful on that, and and seriously, you do. Because sometimes you're producing something for somebody else, and it doesn't fall under God's principles of what are really right and what are really true. I remember talking to a guy a couple years ago who got an account. He was an ad agency, and he got an account. And he just, he was really struggling because what he was going to have to advertise, he knew was really against God's principles for what's best. What do you do? See, it gets pretty sticky now, doesn't it? When you got to figure out how you're doing this. But I, but unless you're doing something that's illegal, or unless you're doing something that's not under what God provides for you, most of you are just out there and you're laboring. I want to challenge you when you wake up tomorrow morning, and this, the rest of today and this afternoon, challenge yourself to get to the point where you can see that what you do actually benefits somebody else. Because once you can believe that, I don't think it matters what you do, you'll know that I'm bringing something to the table. I, I think I'll share this with Sue, with my wife, because I know many of you are, are at home, and I'm, holy smokes, man, you come to stay-at-home moms, I'm like, do stay-at-home moms produce and provide? Are you kidding me? It's crazy how unbelievably important that job is. It was tough, though, for Susie to go from being the national or the regional director of Campus Crusade over the whole Northwest region to sitting home with my little baby, Mariah. And it took her, I think it was probably about, until about two years ago, eight years of marriage, about two years ago, where God graciously helped her to see the unbelievable opportunity that she was having every day to produce and to provide and to create. You're all doing that. Here's how you can know how important this is, you guys, to understand this principle. In concentration camps during World War II, obviously we know there was horrendous things that took place. You know what one of the most horrendous things was? The labor that they would cause them to do. You know, one of the things they would do is they'd send them out and they'd say, okay, dig these holes, right? Dig these ditches. And then after they dug the ditches, what would they do? Anybody know? Yeah, they fill them them back up. So then you wake up next morning and you go, dig that ditch. Dig the ditch, they fill it back up. See, now all of a sudden, what are you doing? You're laboring for what? For nothing. You know what they were doing? These guys were pretty smart. You know what they were doing? They were killing their spirit. They were killing their spirit. See, if you don't know that you're created in the image of God 
And then when God works in his very nature, it's to provide and to produce and to create. You need to know that because some of you right now might be dying in your own spirit because you feel like I'm not producing something that's really helpful for society. I want to tell you, I bet you can. I bet you are. And, for, and I would just want to say too, a side note for those of you who maybe are not working right now in your job. At the same time, I know guys who, who are taking that kind of a weird word, but even that opportunity to say a lot of that work right now is working to find jobs, to find work. But then the other time period is also an opportunity to work. Man, there are so much, so many needs in our community and in our, in our world around us. And maybe it's an opportunity right then to say, man, I know I need to be making some money, but really what you need to be doing is act, until God provides that, do something that's providing and that's producing. Even here at K2, tons of opportunities to be able to just step in and say, man, I'm going to help this church. I'm going to produce. I'm going to provide. You're created for it, and you've got to be involved in it. All right. Now, let me just say a couple quick things, then I want to jump to my just two points. Here's the other thing that happens, though, right? You go out there, you work really hard, and you produce, and you provide. And then what do you get in return? What do you get in return? Anybody out there? They paycheck. Thank you, Vaughn. All right, now you get some cash, right? Now you've been provided for. And here's what's interesting, is then once you get provided for, what do you do with that? You provide for others. You provide for others. That's part of the deal, right? I mean, one of the Bible makes it very, really clear. In 1 Timothy 5, 8, it says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially his immediate family, he's denied the faith and is worth off than an unbeliever. See, one of the things that God says is, now you labor and you provide and you produce for the rest of the world, and then you're going to get something back. You're going to get some resource back, so you provide for your family. And the whole context there were widows. And they were saying, man, how do we take care of the people in that culture? When your husband died, women didn't work. I mean, you were, you were up the creek, okay? And what he was saying there is, as the church, we'll take care of the widows, but first and foremost, if that widow has family, and that family is not taking care of her needs, They're worse off than an unbeliever, he says. They're not following Jesus at all. So in other words, you need to know that part of of our job, too, is to produce for the rest of the world, but then what we get, we provide for our family. And then in uh, 1 Timothy, uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians 4.28, he says, do something useful with your own hands that you may have something to share with those in need. See, because that's the other thing. God resources us, right? We've been talking about this, being generous and living a life of contentment. Why? So we can be generous, so we, we, we offer a service, we impact the world, we make society better, we get resource for that, we take care of our family, and then we take care of the needs of the, of, of the world. You guys, do you see, this is a beautiful circle where God is just saying, here's the deal, man. I want you to produce because you're going to benefit society. I want you to receive so that you can now bless others. And then other people get blessed, now they can produce, isn't it? I mean, it's just, it's the picture of God. That's why we need to talk about work. It's in the nature of God to work, and it's in your nature to be productive and to produce as well. All right. Now, let me just share in one more, one more point before we close, and that's this. Not only is it in God's nature to work and for us to work, but now when we work, how do we work? And we need to work in a way that honors God. We need to work in a way when we're out there that honors God. Let's look at this passage, Colossians 3, 22 through 4, chapter 4, verse 1. 
So slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it. Not, not slaves. <laughs> now, how many of you feel like slaves in your, in your jobs? Okay. Brad, did you raise your hand? Okay. All right. Um, no, but so in this context, when it talks about slaves, in that culture, I mean, because uh, obviously uh, American slavery and the whole idea of slavery was wrong, but in that culture, there were people who were slaves, and some of them were almost more like indentured servants. They would almost offer themselves to be slaves in that culture. So it's, but I, I think this is appropriate because it's laborers. I mean, you can just say people who are laboring. Obey your earthly masters and everything. Do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Let me just read that part again. Because I want you to think about what you're going to do tomorrow morning when you get up for your work tomorrow. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you're serving. He goes on, If anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Whatever you do, stay-at-home mom, flipping burgers, selling cars, investing other people's monies, managing a store, serving food, playing sports, running a company, preparing sermons, whatever you do. So you guys, you can glorify God in any type of work. It's not only what you do, it's how you do it and it's how you view it. Whatever you do, tomorrow when you wake up, you have a chance to do it for the Lord and to bring him honor and glory. Work at it with all of your heart. So guys, how do you view it? I'm kind of recapping. You view your work as I'm actually doing this to God. I mean, how many of you, you don't need to raise your hands, but how many of you, when you wake up and you go to work, you've actually thought, man, I'm doing this for God. You walk in your door or your workplace and you feel like, man, this is my chance to serve God. See, I, I, I just know we don't. <laughs> we got a cranky boss back there and, you know, crummy coworkers and I don't like what I do. And see, this is, we got to change this. Because whatever you're doing, you're actually, it is the Lord Christ you're serving. It is. It just is. See, I think that can change everything. Now it's not dependent on our circumstances, who our boss is or who our coworkers are or what our work environment is. Because I have a chance to actually do this unto God. And then how do you do it? So it's how you view it. And then it's also how do you do it? How do you do it? What do you say? With all your heart. Man, I I tell you, one of the things my dad did, one of the best things he did, was just create a work ethic in me. I think I'm just a, I'd rather just play, I think. My nature is I just like to play. I am so grateful for a dad who just put me to work. And I've shared this, you know, here before. I mean, we lived out in the country. We heated our home by, by wood in the, fu- in, the, in the winter. So we actually all fall. Every, we, we had to just cut wood almost every single day so we'd have enough to heat our home. We lived on seven acres. It took me all day long just to mow our grass. <laughs> My mom and dad grew up on farms, so we had three gardens, and they loved to can vegetables. My garden's about as big as this little platform right here. <laughs> but you know what happened? He just created within me this, this work ethic. 
And it was so funny because I, I remember when I got one of my, uh, it wasn't, I don't know, it was probably about my third or fourth job. I was in college. And I started working for the city parks uh, in, in uh, Lapeer, Michigan. And I'll never forget what a hilarious job is. We were supposed to be there at 7 o'clock in the morning and work until 3.30. 7 till 3.30. We'd get there at 7, <clears throat> and we'd all read the sports page till about 7.30. And then 7.30, we'd come along, yeah, oh, now we've got to get our lawnmowers ready and all that kind of stuff. So another half hour go by. And then 8 o'clock, we'd actually start heading out to work, you know. And so I get out there, and I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm new on the job, and I don't know what I'm doing. I'm out there, and I'm just working. And all of a sudden, I look out, and over across the, the park, my, my boss pulls up in this pickup truck. And he's watching me for like a half hour. Dude, I am freaking. You know, I mean, when your boss is watching you, you're like, I'm just, I'm trying to work really hard. And then all of a sudden, the door opens, and he gets out, and he comes walking slowly across the park. And I'm like, man, what am I doing? I, I, I thought I was doing fine. He gets up. I shut my mower down. He goes, Nelson. Why don't you get off that thing and take a break once in a while? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, this was hilarious. We'd, go, we'd always come in a half hour early for lunch, hang out for lunch, you know, and lay out in the sun and get a good tan, come back out, work for about an hour, get, make sure we're back a half hour. Or so. I mean, it was just a joke. And you guys know some of that. And I just sit there and I go, man, that's, this whole idea of working at it with all your heart, because you know you're actually going to receive an inheritance from the Lord. I, I'm telling you, for some of you right now, you know people who work like that? And some of you right now, God is so your master, and he's so watching. And your integrity in your workplace really matters to him. Your honesty in your workplace matters to him. Doing things, again, what did God do? He created, and then what did he do? It is good. When you do something, is it good? Is it the best that you can do? Or did you just kind of give it a half-baked effort, you know? As long as I get the paycheck and please the boss. I, I, let, me listen, let me just read this quote to you from Dorothy Sayers. It says this, the church's approach to an intelligent carpenter, okay, just kind of going with the carpenter theme here, the church's approach to an intelligent carpenter is usually confined to exhorting him not to be drunk and disorderly in his leisure hours. <laughs> so if you're working, just don't, you know, have good character. And, then, and to come to church on Sundays. What the church should be telling him is this, that the very first demand that his religion makes upon him is that he should make good tables. <laughs> he should make good tables. Not that, hey, I, and then she goes on, church, by all means, it's good, in decent forms of amusement, certainly, but what use is all that if in the very center of his life and occupation he is insulting God with bad carpentry? No crooked table legs. Or ill-fitting drawers ever, I dare swear, came out of the carpenter shop in Nazareth. <laughs> Nor if they did, could anyone believe that they were made by the same hand that made heaven and earth. Isn't that cool? I dare say that out of the carpenter shop in Nazareth, there weren't crooked table legs. There wasn't shoddy work. It was just getting by. You know, I mean, you guys have all experienced that, right? I mean, Caleb went to a birthday party yesterday, and he was so psyched because he got one of these guns that shoots little balls out of it. And by the time he got it home, it wasn't working anymore. <laughs> it's just shoddy. It's, just, it's, just, it's a joke. And sometimes we just produce stuff. Why? Because I can get you to buy it so I can make money so I can have a living. And, I'm, and what God is saying is, no, man, no way did the hands that created the heavens and the earth create cruddy carpentry. And no way should a child of the living God 
go out to work tomorrow morning and not give everything they've got for the betterment of the society. See, if it is about you and your salary, then you're really probably, it's pretty easy to not care about how good the work is. If it's for God, and if it's because you actually care about the people around you, love God, love each other. When you work, you love God, and you love each other. It's been great for me. You know, every message, every hour I spend, am I actually really being faithful to God and giving him my best? And he knows, doesn't he? He knows. Your boss might not know. Your coworkers might not know. But the one you actually work for knows. So here's the deal, you guys. Remember this. If you're going to live a full and complete life, one of the things you're going to do is you're going to spend a lot of that working. That's because it's in the nature of God to produce things and to provide things for the service of others. And if you and I are going to live a full life, we need to remember that we work for the service of others and for the glory of God. And we give it the best we've got. We're the best teacher. We're the best mechanic. Anybody one of those? Because I need one. You're the best at doing taxes. You're the best at being a mom. You're the best. You're doing everything you can. And you'll receive an inheritance for that someday. So let's pray. Father, man, when we look around our creation, how can we not just say thank you? Thank you so much for creating this world. Everything that we, everything that we partake in came from your creation unto us. It is good. So we worship you and we thank you. And I don't know if we've ever worshipped you for this, God. I don't know if there's ever a worship song that's been written to praise you because you're a God who works. But today I want to praise you as the God who works. And to know that you're working right now, that you are always at your work to create, to redeem. Now you're doing new creations in people's hearts. You're always at your work. And so now, God, I just pray that we might wake up tomorrow morning, not just to make money, not just to have a certain lifestyle, but that we would see that no matter what we do, we actually are benefiting the larger society the larger society around us. And help us to work at it with all of our heart because it really is you, actually, that we're working for. God, you're the one who told us that we can't love you and hate our neighbor. (laughs) Can't happen. And so, Lord, every time we do something really well, we benefit somebody else. We love them. And by loving them, We actually love you. So Lord, give us some new inspiration to wake up tomorrow and to live a full and complete life with the hours that we'll pour into. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen.